Hey guys, who's excited for some live Front Desk Goddess training? We are super excited to announce some upcoming events for 2022. We now have registration open for Billings, Montana on Friday, January 21st of 2022. And Orlando has just been added for February 25th, 2022. You can call me now to register at 800-592-7239 or you can click the link in our show notes. Just mention this podcast and it'll save you $100. Be sure you use the code FDGR as in Front Desk Goddess Retreat if you are registering online. Welcome to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries. My name is Amy and I'm a personal practice coach for the Brady Group and I've been in your shoes. I have the pleasure of working with dental practices across the globe and you know what I've discovered? We all have had the same challenges, and I'm super excited to share wisdom that I've gained from great dental practices just like yours. So today we're going to discuss maybe the the real reason why we might be struggling with follow through. See, as a personal practice coach, I have the opportunity to meet with dental offices on a regular basis, and in most cases weekly or or sometimes every other week. And when we start to work on, you know, maybe if we're in the first three uh, three to six months, um, and we start to work on incorporating systems, especially those that require us to change the way we communicate with patients, we get in our own way. And uh, here's what I mean by that. Basically, when, when change in- is introduced, one of two things happen. And I'm telling you this not because, um, well, basically, this is because I- I've done these things. I've done both of these things. And so I've lived it and I know um, what it's like to be in a position where you have to incorporate uh, a change in your communication with patients. It's awkward, it's uncomfortable. And so here are the two things that happen. One is we basically put ourselves in the patient's shoes and we speculate how um, they might perceive the change. And we're basically, we're basically imposing our value system on the patient. We're assuming patients think like we do. Um, or number two, the second thing is we complicate things when we're faced with change. We don't do this intentionally. And again, this is not an integrity issue or, or anything like that. It's, I mean, it's physiological. It's basically the fight or flight part of our brain that kicks in when we get a little uncomfortable. And uh, when that happens, we tend to start asking the what if questions. <laughs> we overthink things and quite frank- frankly, we probably even throw up subconsciously throw up obstacles in response to that change. So here's why we do those things, because it slows things down. Complicating slows down the change process or might even keep us from having to change at all. And so again, how do I know these things get in the way of progress? Because I have lived both of them. Again, this isn't about your character. These things are just human nature, but when we can recognize when we might be making assumptions that all patients think like that us, or when we realize when we might be overcomplicating opportunities to improve, then we can do something about it. Here, I'll tell you a story. So back in my front desk goddess days, um, I worked for a fantastic doctor, Dr. Taylor, um, Jesse Taylor in Richardson, Texas. He uh, was amazing. He was such a just a wonderful, wonderful person. Um, I uh, have known him and his family for years and years and years, and I was so saddened to hear that he passed away very quickly after a diagnosis with with cancer, summer of 2020. Um, so, you know, he's his family's always on my heart and mind. But one of the things that uh, I loved about Dr. Taylor is he 
was so encouraging. He um, was not judgmental and he was willing to do things that he asked us to do. But in the beginning, um, you know, when I was working for Dr. Taylor and uh, he wanted us to start collecting the patient's financial commitment when they scheduled their reservation, I was horrified. <laughs> and here's why I was thinking, there is no way patients would want to pay before treatment. I know I wouldn't want to. And see, at that point in my life, uh, where my husband and I were, we had just bought a our first house, just had our first baby. My baby's now gonna be 25 next month. Um, but we had no extra money after we paid the bills. And I could not imagine having the kind of dentistry myself that we were presenting, much less pay for it in full before I even received the treatment. See, I was struggling. So then Dr. Taylor said, Amy, just ask one patient a day to pay when they schedule. He was persistent. He was really good about holding me accountable. Um, you know, this is one of the other things, leaders, that I will, will share with you. It takes on average seven times for us to get the message before we realize it's important to you, okay, or before it sticks. There are so many things that we hear throughout the day. Um, there are so many things that we hear in team meetings and sometimes we can't decipher whether we're just brainstorming, thinking out loud, or if it's something we're actually going to do. Um, and see, when Dr. Taylor finally gave me something that was measurable and held me accountable for it, that's when I bit the bullet. He said, just ask one patient a day and I'm gonna talk to you about it at the end of the day. I wanna hear who you asked. So see, I was being held accountable and it was measurable. That made all the difference in the world for me. So here's what happened. Since he was so persistent and so good at following through, I finally decided I'll ask a new patient uh, because they don't know any better, right? They, they don't know how we've done it before. So they'll be the quote unquote easy ones, which by the way, I was wrong. And that's another story for another day. But um, basically this new patient was referred by her sister and uh, she was scheduled basic, basically for, oh, I don't know, three or four crowns, not a huge case, but it was, you know, um, probably two, through two, three, four thousand dollars. And guess what? She paid it. She paid when she scheduled. I was so proud of myself when she wrote that check. Uh, and again, I chose the new patient because she didn't know any better. So again, I justified another false belief in my mind that existing patients won't want to prepay. But new patients will. <laughs> Again, that was false. Um, so I was so fearful of how these existing patients might react. In fact, the sister that referred this new patient, she was one that I would have never asked to prepay. You know, my perception was she was kind of the grouchy type that really kind of intimidated me and, and just seemed, you know, very unfriendly when she checked out. Um, so here's what happened later that same day, I got a call from the sister that referred a new patient and she said, uh, and you know, verbatim, she said, I have a bone to pick with you, Amy. Well, I was terrified and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I knew this prepayment thing wouldn't work. I should have never done it. She's going to be mad at me for quote unquote, making her sister pay ahead of time. And I was totally mentally preparing for what I thought was, was coming. And then she said, I wish you'd let me pay ahead of time for my treatment last month. Do you know how awkward it is to have to stop at the front desk when I can't feel my face and I'm drooling everywhere and I have to write a check? <laughs> she said, I've been coming here for eight years and I always have to stop at the front. Can't feel my face. It's just a mess. Sometimes you're busy and I have to wait. And she said, huh, I'm not really upset. I just thought that was an awesome idea. And I wanted to thank you for taking such great care of my sister. She really loved you guys. 
wow. <laughs> At that moment, I realized that she wasn't really a grouchy person. She was just probably feeling super uncomfortable and weird at the front trying to, to write a check and catch her drool at the same time. So my perception of her was wrong. My perception of how she might react was wrong. And at that moment, I realized I'm not inflicting something horrible on these patients. I'm giving them an opportunity. I'm giving them an opportunity to save time, to avoid being uh, uncomfortable, to get out of there as soon as their treatment is finished. And when I realized it was about focusing on uh, the benefits to the patient instead of, well, you have to pay now before we do your treatment, <laughs> it made all the difference in the world. And here's the other thing, who in the heck was I to decide that only one patient a day get, gets the opportunity to save time and potentially avoid embarrassment? I mean, how unfair of me to assume that all patients were living paycheck to paycheck like me and wouldn't want to pay for something before they got it, uh, would only go to a doctor on their list or would never do any dental treatment that they didn't absolutely need. And so here, there you have it. That was the paradigm shift and the mindset change that drastically changed the collection rate in our office and really kickstarted the journey to becoming fee for service. So what about our tendency to complicate things? The second thing that gets in the way of our progress. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. See, when our doctor was encouraging me to start pre-collecting, I had all these prefab excuses. Oh, I can't see how that's gonna work in our office, Dr. Taylor. You know, what we're doing now, it's working pretty well. I mean, what if the treatment plan changes or what if the patient changes their mind? Then we're gonna have to reimburse them. What if we lose patients over it? What do we do if the patient calls to schedule and they're not physically in the office to pay? You know, this is gonna take a lot of time to implement and I'm overwhelmed as it is. Maybe we need some help. So I was constantly looking for data to justify and reinforce my made up excuses um, by assuming all patients were like me. I just didn't have a whole lot of confidence in, in communicating with patients a change. Honestly, here's the thing, guys, I was expecting failure. In fact, I subconsciously was kind of hoping for a failure so that I would be right. So in order to make progress, what I realized is we all have to sincerely believe that we can achieve the vision for the practice. It's not about memorizing words or scripts. It's about believing in the concept and then draping your own words and personal personality over it. I mean, I, I even told our personal coach, Michelle, I said, Michelle, I have memorized that script you gave me. And, and I did. Um, but I didn't believe in what we were trying to accomplish. And you know what? The patients could sense it. They can sense it. There is a, um, go Google this and check it out. There's a uh, organization called Heart Math. I'll put it in the, um, uh, the show notes. So Heart Math is an organization that uh, I stumbled across a few years ago. And basically they've done all of these studies, uh, real physiological studies to, um, uh, you know, basically see how the heart and the brain is connected. And I, I'm probably gonna mess up some of the science here, but in a nutshell, it, there are these electromagnetic uh, waves or whatever that, um, are uh, sent out from our body physically. People can feel it, they say within a you know 10 or 12 foot radius that uh, when our heart, when what's in our heart and what's in our brain are not the same, people sense it. They sense um, that we're not being genuine or we're fake or uh, we're transactional. Um, you know, you can sense that. 
I mean, think about uh, somebody with a script over the phone when you're calling uh, with an issue with your cell phone. This happened to me a while back. And um, the person said, well, Mrs. Drury, I am so sorry that you're dealing with this problem. I can assure you that we'll be able to help you. Uh, and I said, okay, great. Here's what's going on. You know, I have to uh, push speaker to be able to, to, to hear people on my phone. I can't talk to them without speaker. And the person said again, oh, Mrs. Drury, I am so sorry you're dealing with this. We will, you know, and it was just like, oh my gosh, is this a robot or is this a real person? And so we have to believe in our heart that it's the right thing to do. Otherwise, uh, if we don't believe it, it's not going to work, guys. And so we all have to believe it. And, uh, you know, again, looking at, at the, the practices that I get to work with, um, you know, week after week, many of them are a lot better than I was back in the day. And what I've discovered is that those that experience swift progress are actually taking a leap of faith. They are okay being vulnerable. And sometimes this is an individual thing, but most of the time it's a team thing. And again, here's what I've discovered. Why is it, it easier for them to become vulnerable when it's not for others? And here are the components that we recognize. Number one, trust. There's a trust amongst the team. There's a, a healthy trust. It's mutual. Um, and it, it creates this healthy culture without any hidden agendas. People are on the same side. They're unified. And uh, you know that happens because there's clarity. Okay, there's clarity in what, what we're doing, what we're trying to accomplish. And uh, so that brings unity. Because there's a, a healthy culture as a foundation, there's freedom to fail. See, mistakes are not just okay, they're actually encouraged. Um, you know, I, I think uh, sometimes when we don't want to make a, a mistake or we're afraid to fail, uh, that's really unhealthy and we're probably not going to make much progress. Uh, here's the other thing I noticed with the practices that uh, make pretty swift progress is the leader goes first. See, when we start see our doctors or our leaders intentionally putting themselves in a vulnerable position as team members, we're a whole lot more likely to do the same. You can't expect your team to get uncomfortable if you're not willing to go first. The team is only going to go as far as the doctor. You also have to have time to practice. That's what these great ones do is they have dedicated time away from patients they haven't added to their schedule. They've worked it into their schedule to work on the practice and build their skills. You know, it's like uh, my daughter, she took piano lessons from kindergarten through seventh grade. And what we discovered in seventh grade is um, she didn't have time to practice. And Mr. Carmichael, her poor piano teacher, I uh, would take her to practice and I knew she hadn't cracked her books. She hadn't touched that piano. And it wasn't her fault. I mean, as parents, you know, we tend to cram our kids' schedules, you know, chock full. But it was so frustrating for Mr. Carmichael. He would sit down with her and say, now, Emily, we're going to have to start at the beginning again. You know, you're wasting your mom's money because you're not practicing. You know, we can't make progress if you're not um, working on what we, we uh, did last week in between your, your lessons. And that's exactly right. If you don't take time to practice, you're wasting your money. Bottom line. And if you don't take time to practice, you're not going to change. I, you have to put it on your schedule. You can't just say, oh, if we have some spare time or if a patient cancels, yada, yada. Those are great times to do it as well. 
but you have to schedule time to practice. The other thing these great practices do is they hold each other accountable. See, if you talk about incorporating change and you fail to set a time frame and target date to follow up, it won't happen. See, Dr. Taylor uh, said, Amy, I want you to pick one patient a day to pre-collect from, and when we have our evening huddle, I want you to tell me who it was, okay? I was being held accountable. I had to make it happen. And yeah, it was uncomfortable, but it was going to be even more uncomfortable in that evening huddle if I didn't do what I said I was going to do. And so the last thing that these great practices that make swift change know is that uh, change is a process, not an event. They focus on what they can do today to be just a tiny bit better than they were yesterday. See, we don't have to change everything at once. In fact, if you do that or try to do that, um, yeah, you're going to burn out, but be cautious of just picking the easy things that don't require you to get uncomfortable. I love the, uh, the book, Eat the Frog, or uh, yeah, Eat the Frog, I think is, is the title. And basically the premise is, you know what, just take that one thing that's hanging over your head that seems difficult or arduous or is going to take a lot of time and just do it. Just finish that one thing, put everything else aside. And you know what happens when you eat that big frog first? It just gives you more motivation and uh, wherewithal to uh, to jump in and do more of the hard stuff. We'd be honored if you would subscribe to the Front Desk Goddess Diaries, rate our podcast, and share it with your friends. From one goddess to another, this is Amy signing off.